just halfway through the day, I was exhausted. And I didn't, I didn't know what was going on, so I, I made an appointment with the doctor. And uh, it was the, uh, on the second visit to the doctor, because he was trying to figure out what was going on, he said, I'd like you to take this test. Uh, it's a test for your hormone levels. And he says, you have, to, you have to get this kit, and he got the kit for me. And it comes with these four vials, and you, to be in a nice way, you have to extricate your saliva into the vials at different times during the day. And then when, when, you, when we were done, I mean, the first one was like early in the morning, and one was lunch, one was dinner, and then one was around 10 o'clock at night. I had to stay up later that night to do it because that's about bedtime for me. But I had to send them off to California, and then they come back with your hormone levels at different times during the day. And when the doctor got them back, he says, boy, you weren't kidding. He says, your hormone levels are really, really low. And he showed me the, there's a range for hormone levels, and in every range I was below the low point of it, except for 10 o'clock at night. And for some reason, at 10 o'clock at night, I was above average. And that's when I go to bed. <laughs> so, like, that's no help. <laughs> so, anyway, he, he said, this is what we want to do. He said, you, uh, he, he gave me uh, these little um, uh, vials of uh, drops that you take. One was DHEA, which is a hormone. One was protolone or something, which is another hormone. And then an adrenal pill that I have to take every day to, to help out. But he said, in order for all of this to work, you have to go gluten-free. And in case you're not familiar with what gluten-free exactly means, I know you are, Sheila, and you can correct me if, I, if I'm mistaken with this. Uh, take about all the food that you normally eat and put it on the table and then take about 90% of it and push it over here because you can't eat that 90% and you're left with that 10% there. I mean, is that about right? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, un unfortunately. Well, and also he told me I have to be low carb. So even they make a lot of gluten-free foods today, but they're high in carbs. So you can have them, but only like a very, very little bit. So, you know, what, is, what does this have to do with preaching today and everything? It showed me something. It showed me how important food is in my life. And it made me think, are, are there things in my life that really prevent me or kind of get in the way of my relationship with Jesus? And I think of sometimes when I wake up in the morning, and I, the first thing I want to think about when I get up in the morning is the Lord Jesus Christ. But sometimes I wake up and I'm hungry, and the first thing that's in my mind is, what am I going to have for breakfast this morning? You know, it's kind of food is there. And, you know, food has always been something that has been really, really important to me. And I, I think of this scripture where uh, God wants us all to be saved. I mean, that's his will. But that's not where it ends. He wants to have a very, very close relationship with us. 
And there are things that get in the way. You know, if somebody said to me, well, uh, what's more important to you, God or food? I would say God right away. But that's not necessarily how my actions come out. You know, my actions speak louder than my words. And I can say God's more important. But food becomes one of those things that's very, very important to me. So I kind of thank God for this because he's showing me this through there. And of course, it's not just food that is important. But let's let's take a look at a scripture first and then we'll we'll work from there. Let's go to Matthew 19. And we're going to look at a, a story that you're very, very familiar with. But let's evaluate it a little bit and, and then take it from there. So we're going to start in verse 16. It says, Now behold, one came and said to him, him being Jesus, Good teacher, what things shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly I say to you, that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. That scripture used to bother me because, you know, when it said it was, it was very difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And it's, it was easier for the uh, camel to go through the eye of the needle. And I said, well, I know a camel can't go through the eye of a needle. So therefore, I guess a rich man can't get into heaven, you know. And, of course, I found out later on what the eye of the needle was. And it, it had to do with going back to the times of Jesus and I guess at night, uh, because Jerusalem was surrounded by a, a wall, and they had a gate there. They used to close the gate at night. And, and if, if anybody came at night and wanted to get in with their camel, uh, they had this little tiny opening, I guess, at the bottom of the wall. But in order for the camel to get in through that gate, they, you would have to take everything off the camel, and the camel would have to scrunch down and kind of whittle its way through, through that gate. Very difficult. Not impossible, because they did it, but it was very, very difficult. And the idea was, I think, and, and Jesus in giving that, he was saying there's a lot of stuff that we carry on our shoulders that we have to release in order to be able to enter the kingdom of God. And that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning is, is some of those things. There's a lot of distractions that we have in our life that keep us from getting closer to Jesus. And, and this is his will. This is what he wants of us. So 
this kind of sermon is, is going to be one of those where I don't give you the answers. I kind of give you the questions. And you kind of have to answer them yourself because each of us has our own stuff. And it's their own baggage that is keeping us from, from him. I mean, it could be food like we mentioned before. It could be multiple things. Uh, it, could be, it could be money. Now, let's take a look at the, uh, the rich man here. It says in verse 21, If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Now, is this one of Jesus' commands to us? Can you imagine if we go and we want to uh, witness to somebody, and you say, yeah, you know, I'm having a great life with, with the Lord Jesus. I'd like you to come and, and, and know Jesus too. Just go sell all you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow Jesus. And how many people are we going to get to follow Jesus if we actually... Think? And the reason why I say that is because if, if you look at this, this isn't a, com- a universal command. This isn't a command that he's telling everybody that they have to give everything that they have. But why did he tell this fellow here? That, that. And I think mainly is because this was getting in the way of him having a closer relationship with Jesus. This was a very rich man, but he wasn't only rich because there's nothing wrong. I mean, Solomon was very rich too, and God allowed that. Uh, you know, in this case, this man, his riches were keeping him away from his closeness to Jesus. This man kept all the commandments all through the years. He's probably saved, but, you know, the relational with with Jesus wasn't there because something was getting in the way. And what we have to look at in our lives is what are the things in our lives that get in the way? And And it could be, you know, one of them could be money. I mean, most of us here, because I know most of you, and most of us are not rich, so I don't think the riches end of it can get in the way. But, you know, too little money can get in the way, too. If we're focused constantly on money, on, on making money, I was there. I was there, you know, years and years ago where... My wife could attest to this, where I was always, I'd go to work, and then I'd come home, and then I'd go out and work again in the evening and, and try to make extra money all the time for the family, and not necessarily relying on God, not spending time with my family like I should have been, but focused on making money, okay? And it was because I felt I had too little at the time. And so that end of it can be a, a focus, too, where it can kind of get in the way of that. Two of the most powerful forces in the world today are TV and music. And I I think of music, you know, I I started listening uh, a couple of years ago to an oldie station. It was brand new on the radio at that that time. And I'm amazed that some of the songs I haven't heard for 50 years, and I still remember the words. Them. They're singing the song, and I'm singing the song with them. I hadn't heard that song in, in that many years. And it's, it shows you how powerful music is because it kind of gets into our psyche here. It gets into our, our being, and, it, and it's there. And it can be great. I mean, what Mike leading worship up here today, uh, it, it was absolutely wonderful. By the way, Mike, I haven't talked to you all week, right? I, I mean, this song... That you saying what was it six four? It, I mean, it just tied in so well with what we're talking about here. 
Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Give me Jesus. I mean, I, I just started crying while I was singing it because I felt that was a confirmation by the Holy Spirit. And it's great when the Holy Spirit leads you to do that. And, you know, we're preaching basically on, on the same thing here. TV, too. The TV, they, they, they say that the quickness of the pictures doesn't allow your intellect to actually catch up with what, what you're seeing on, on the TV. And it goes, it goes right uh, past your intellect to your imagination. So it kind of sits in there. You don't really have a chance to evaluate what you're watching because it's so quick, because the pictures are just coming like this. So it becomes a very, very powerful force. Again, there's nothing wrong with TV. There's nothing wrong with music. And obviously nothing wrong with food. All these things, God wants us to have these things. But we have to evaluate what are those things or how much of those things are keeping us from Jesus, from our relationship with him. The last one I have is, uh, I laugh when I say this because I put down Facebook and I, I just joined Facebook about a week ago, and it's just something that's, that's new to me. But I know that I, I'm, I'm trying to be careful with it because I don't want so much of my time to be absorbed. It's real easy for that to happen, for you to get on the computer and you want to see what everybody has to say about something and all, all the various things that are on it. And again, I, I have intentions of using it for, for the good things uh, because we have this prayer thing that we're doing in Dutchess County and I'm trying to see how I can be in touch with lots of people in a very, very short period of time. But uh, I, I, I know that there's dangers in it, too. And again, it's something that each of us individually kind of have to uh, evaluate. The, um, the big lie that I remember from when we were, we were, when we were raising our kids uh, back in the uh, uh, late 70s and early 80s, the big lie was that you didn't have to spend a lot of time with your kids as long as you spent quality time. And I think of that with God, too. Sometimes we get that, that lie comes in and we say, as long as we spend some quality time with God, we can do whatever we want during the, during the day, you know. As long as we take care of that guilt feeling that, oh, I read my Bible today for five minutes, you know, and the rest of the time I did what I wanted. Uh, we have to be careful of that. I think there's, uh, there's three things that I came up with that I, I don't think they're complete, but that, um, that would help us out. If, number one, that we don't let the things of the world get their hooks into us, that we don't let TV, music, you know, various uh, things that could possibly um, take us away from the presence of God to get to hook us so that we're, we're hooked into that and, and, and ignoring God at, at those times. We have to be able to deny ourselves. You know, there's, there's times when we have to uh, take what's dear to us, what we think is dear to us anyway, and push it aside and make sure that we have time for God. And, of course, that we have to be desperate for God, for him. There are so many examples in Scripture, and I want to bring some of these examples out of, of uh, men and women in the Bible that did not allow the attachments of the world to take them away from God. And the first one I want to talk about is one of my heroes, and that's Joseph. 
if you want to go to Genesis 39, and if not, just listen to me read. But I want to read a little bit of the story of Joseph. You, you all know the story, and uh, I just want to focus on uh, a couple of things here. We're going to start in verse 4 of chapter 39 in Genesis. It says, So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So that was when he first got to Egypt, and he was uh, purchased by Potiphar, and, and Potiphar uh, took him in as, uh, as his servant. But he recognized the fact that Joseph was very, very blessed, and that everything that he did seemed to help, help out the, uh, the household. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I Nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was as he spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed heed her to lie with her or to be with her. Okay, We we know what happens after that. But notice Joseph is focused on God. You know, he says that he cannot do this great wickedness against God. Now, you have to realize the situation that he was in. He was sold out by his own family, taken to a foreign land where he knew no one. To me, he had to be very lonely because he didn't, he was taken away from his, you know, all his brothers and he didn't really know anybody in Egypt. Probably didn't even know the language. So, I mean, he was prime for seeking comfort in the arms, arms of a woman. But he still, he knew what God had told him to do. He knew the commandments that he had from, from childhood. And he stayed with that. He did not get attached to his power or to all the things that, Potiphar had in his home that were Joseph's because Joseph had command of everything. So, you know, it's amazing that he could do that, stay focused on God, and not uh, yield to these attachments. Another one is uh, Daniel. And Daniel uh, gave up the food of the king, okay, to eat the vegetables and the fruits and stuff like that uh, to stay. So, you know, he would not give himself in to that attachment. Another person, Moses, who gave up all the comforts and the pleasures in the house of Pharaoh, right, and focused basically on God wanted him to do. He didn't do it the right way the first time, but he still, he was focused on trying, trying to do that. 
Abraham, another one, gave up his own country all right, to follow God and go to a foreign land and live. Gave up you know, being with his relatives and friends and stuff like that. And then finally, Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, what did he own? What did he, was he attached to? Absolutely nothing. He, he, I mean, everything, even the tomb he was uh, buried in was borrowed. He had absolutely nothing. Did not allow himself to the, his entire 33 years on earth to get attached to, uh, to anything. I came across this wonderful poem by a, a man named Bill McChesney. Bill McChesney was a uh, missionary in the Congo. And he was eventually martyred. And after he was martyred, they found this poem that he had written. And I think it fits basically what we're talking about here. He says, I want my breakfast served at eight with ham and eggs upon my plate. A well-broiled steak I'll eat at one and dine again when day is done. I want an ultra-modern home. And in each room, a telephone, soft carpets too upon the floors, and pretty drapes to grace the doors. A cozy place of lovely things, the easy chairs and inner springs. And then I'll get a small TV, of course. Of course I'm careful what I see. I want my wardrobe, too, to be neatest, finest quality. With latest style of suit and vest, why shouldn't Christians have the best? But then the master I can hear, in no uncertain voice so clear, I bid you come and follow me, the lonely man of Galilee. Birds of the air have made their nest, and foxes in their holes find rest. But I can offer you no bed, no place, I have I to lay my head. In shame I hung my head and cried. How could I spurn the crucified? Could I forget the way he went? The sleepless nights in prayer he spent? For forty days without a bit, alone he fasted day and night. Despised, rejected, on he went. Did not stop till veil he rent. A man of sorrows and of grief, no earthly friend to bring relief. Smitten of God, the prophet said, mocked, beaten, bruised, his blood ran red. If he be God and died for me, no sacrifice too great can be. For me, a mortal man to make, I'll do it all for Jesus' sake. Yes, I will tread the path he trod. No other way will please my God. So henceforth, this my choice shall be, my choice from all eternity. So when we're trying to figure out what things might get in the way of our relationship with God... Sometimes we can think, what are the things that come to our mind when our minds wander? You know, when we daydream, I do, you know, and I think things just come into my mind and it's like, 
those are probably the things that are important and some of the things that might get in the way, that might be more important than what we should be thinking of. So uh, what I want us to do this morning is to think of things that we're attached to that are going to get in the way or that have been getting in the way of our relationship. Well, I think God just wants us to recognize some of these things anyway. It might not be, you know, in one sitting where we completely remember everything. He might show us things over the next week or two. But just to, to be recognizing them and then things that we can start working on so that they're not there, you know. And, uh, and then we grow. And that's what we want. And that's what God wants. He wants us to grow. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning, and we, we thank you for everything you've, you've shown us here. And Lord, uh, we pray that uh, as, as time goes on, Lord, that you would give us the wisdom to be able to work at some of these things, Lord. Not that we're going to be perfect, but that, that we're going to strive for that perfection, Lord. Uh, you've said in your word that we are to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And Lord, we want to strive toward that. We just want to uh, get closer and closer to, to that perfection, Lord, that we will attain one day, but it will, it will be uh, when we get to, to see you in heaven. But we do look forward to that day, Lord. We pray, Lord, as our day goes on, that uh, we honor and glorify you today in all we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.